Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. A, uh, a shorter discussion, a shorter message of it. Um, what Paul does, and we've kind of seen this over the past couple of weeks with the verses that he uses. Um, in verse 13, which is where we'll be tonight, Paul continues to give a what would be called a didactic instruction to the Romans. Um, didactic just means that it's plain, it's straightforward. It's, there's no question about what Paul is saying because he's being very straightforward with what he's telling the church at Rome. He's not mincing words. It's not really, it's not really open to interpretation what Paul's saying because he's being specific in his instruction. And that's what we'll have in verse number 13. And I am going to go ahead and read verse 13 through about verse 16 because these verses really go together, um, even though we won't be necessarily dealing with all of them. But in chapter number 12, verse number 13, Paul says, distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. And again, this week, we can probably guess at what the points are for this text. But he does continue, he says, Bless them that persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not the things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense, not, no, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Basically, what Paul is doing here, he has in verses 9, 10, 11, and 12 laid our inward, if you want to call it that, our, our responsibility in ourself. He talks about us being, our love being without dissimulation. He tells us to abhor evil, to cleave to what's good, to have affection toward other people, to not be softful in business, to be fervent in serving the Lord, to rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation, and to continue instant in prayer. So all these things are what Paul's saying. I want these things to happen in your life personally. And he starts to transition in verse number 13 to explain what all of what he has said is going to look like coming out of us. So what we're doing, what the mercies of God in verse 1 do in us, and what we're supposed to cultivate in us. And again, we looked at some of that last week where Paul tells us what he's already promised that he's doing in us, he's telling us to do in ourselves. So he's already told us that God's going to be doing these things in us. God's going to be working these things in us. But he's instruct, instructing us to be cultivating. Or He tells Timothy, he says, stir up the things that are in you. It's, it's the same thing as stoking a fire. We're not to be... We're not to be passive in our life, even though we know that God is actively working, but we are to be active in what God is actively doing, if that makes sense. And that's what Paul is giving this instruction for. He said, I want you to remember all the stuff that I've said. Remember what God has done for you. Remember what I've said God is doing in you and stir these things up because it's going to be beneficial to your own life and to the life of those around you. And as we've seen in verse number nine, all of this is beginning with the love that we have for God. God loves us, so we love him, 
And this love is producing things inside of us. But in verse number 13, Paul mentions two things specifically. And I've titled this strategic hospitality. And again, it's, it's not a, a passive hospitality. It's not a passive generosity, but it's strategic. It's planned. And Paul gets into how that breaks down for us specifically. First of all, he tells us that we are to be generous toward the saints. And secondly, he tells us that we're to be given to hospitality. So that's our two points, that we're to be generous toward the saints and pursue hospitality. But Paul explains what he means in these texts by the wording that he uses. So first of all, we see that the mercy of God calls us to be generous to the saints. There's two words here, and they're, again, they're obvious words, but there's two words here that we need to look at. The first being generous and the second being saints. So the word generous here, before we get into a couple of the other texts that we're going to be turning to, the word generous here simply means giving, which is is obvious. We understand what the word generous means in English, and it really carries the same word in Greek. It means to be giving. It means to be a giving person. But even though our mind does go straight to money, Paul's not just talking about being generous in finances. He's talking about being generous in the way that we deal with people, being generous in the wisdom that we bestow to people, being generous in advice, being generous in joy, being generous in, in being Christian. It carries along the same thought as where Paul tells us to bring people alongside of us and to pour ourselves into other people. We're to be generous with what God has given us. If God has allowed us to be in a place to where we have been given the wisdom of God, then Paul is telling us we're to be generous with that wisdom. It's not that we, if we find a truth in Scripture, if we, if we encounter God somewhere in Scripture, we're not to hold that truth back into ourselves and say, well, God showed this to me. This is mine. I don't want anybody else to see it. But we're to be generous in giving out that to other believers because that's what we're called to do. We're called to be generous specifically to the saints. But because... There is some financial aspect to this. I do real quickly want to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. And there are a few things from this text that we can see in terms and in correlation with what Paul is telling the Romans here because he tells the Corinthian church something very, very similar. In verse number 5 of chapter number 9, Paul is talking to the church there at Corinth, and he is instructing them to do something. And believe it or not, Paul is not instructing them on how to give to the church or how to tithe to the church. But Paul, in what he is doing here, is 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 going to, we're going to kind of get into that because he mentions being generous to the saints, and that's what Paul's dealing with in this. But what he's doing here is he is showing them the purpose behind their generosity. And what Paul does in verse number five, he says, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort you that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand a bounty whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. And Paul says, therefore, he, he's speaking to what the Macedonians had done in being prepared to give to the church at Jerusalem. 
So there's Christians in Jerusalem that are suffering. They're under persecution. And Paul says, the reason I sent somebody to you to be prepared to give something was because it was necessary that you be ready to help out the other believers that are around you. And what Paul is doing is he is instructing them for the purpose behind their giving. He goes on to say in verse number six, but, I, but this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparing, also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Verse number seven, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And in verse number eight, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. What Paul says in verse number seven is what I want to look at specifically before we move back over to Romans chapter number 12. But he says that the giving that he is wanting from the Corinthian church is something that every man has, number one, purposed in his heart. Number two is not giving grudgingly. And number three is not giving of necessity. Basically what Paul is saying, he's saying, I want you to decide what you're going to do yourself. Don't, don't have any outside influences. Don't look at your neighbor and see what they're doing. Don't look at the person down the street and see what they're doing. But I want you to decide in your heart what you're going to do. And he says, when you decide in your heart, when you purpose this in your heart... The plan of what he is telling them is I want you to give in such a way that is not grudgingly. So not like where somebody's having to pull it out of you. And grudgingly is ironically the opposite of generosity. He says, I don't want you to give it where it's having to be pulled from you. And I don't want you to give it of necessity or the word that Paul uses there for necessity is compulsion. He said, I don't want you to give it trying to kind of hold on to it. And I don't want to give it, want you to give it because you feel like you have to. And he goes on to preface that by saying that God is able to give you of all things. So what Paul is saying, he's saying, I don't want you to give grudgingly. I don't want you to give of compulsion, but I want you to be generous in what you're doing. And this is what Paul is conveying to us in Romans chapter number 12. He says, whenever you are distributing to the necessity of the saints, I want you to be generous in that. And that's what the word distributing there means. It means be generous in what you're doing. And he specifically points out that he wants it to be done to the necessity of the saints. And that's, again, where we can see some of these other aspects, financially, joy, wisdom, whatever it may be. Where you see something that is needed, that's where you should be giving. And what Paul is saying in this generosity aspect, in this aspect of being generous, he's saying that any giving done in generosity is going to be blessed by God. And any giving done in generosity is going to show forth the love of God. Paul isn't going to them and trying to guilt them into doing something because what Paul in essence is saying is that if you are giving out of guilt, then you are giving wrong. If you're giving out of guilt, there's no purpose behind what you're doing. And that's why he says what he does to the Corinthians because what we are doing in our generosity is we are mirroring the generosity of God to us. When God gave his son, he did not give Christ grudgingly 
And he did not give Christ under compulsion. Christ didn't go to the cross grudgingly, and he didn't go to the cross under compulsion. And that's what Paul is saying. Christ didn't even go to the cross because he felt guilty because the people that he had made had messed up. It was all done out of a heart of love. And what Paul is telling us here is that the generosity that we show to those, especially in the family of God, ought to be done in a heart of love. And in a heart of a desire to see things grow for those people. And he calls out who those people are because he specifically says to distribute the necessity of the saints. You see, in the day that Paul was in, in the day that these Roman people were in, there was persecution going on. And I know we've covered this different places and different times, but there was persecution going on. And the prison systems then were not the way that they are today. They didn't feed the prisoners. They didn't clothe the prisoners. They just put them in jail. And if you died in jail, you died because they weren't doing anything about it. They didn't see it as their responsibility to keep you up. And that's what First John, whenever First John and James both say that we are to, if we look at our brother and say that he's hungry, and we say, well, go, be full. Or we see that he needs clothes, and we say, go, be warm. What they're referencing to directly is those people under persecution. They're saying if you see a brother who is under persecution and in prison and has nobody to help him out, and you say, well, God bless you then that's where he's saying the love of Christ is not showing through you. And that's what Paul is conveying to the Romans. He's saying if you look around and see your brethren under persecution, if you see your brethren in need of something, if you see them struggling, whether spiritually, financially, in any aspect of their life, be willing and strategic to give them what they need. I was listening to Martin Lloyd-Jones preach this text this week, and he, he made a statement that it kind of made me laugh, but it's not any less true. He said that he's heard all his life, he said that blood is thicker than water. He said whenever you get into a bind, it doesn't matter if you like your family or you don't, you're there to help your family out. You may disagree completely with what they're doing, but they're part of your family. And he said blood's thicker than water. And he said, but, he said, but I conveyed to you, that the spirit is thicker than blood. And what Paul is saying is that when we look around at the saints of God, that we ought to be, or what Martin Lloyd-Jones was saying, is that we ought to be willing and ready, even if we don't agree with them, even if there is some division between us, we ought to be ready and willing to give generously to them of whatever it may be that they need. And Paul covers this, and he goes into more detail on this in the verses after, which is why we went ahead and read those. But Paul is, is prompting us to look at the grace of God that he shows us on a daily basis to those of us who continuously mess up on a daily basis and convey that same grace that God conveys to us. He's in essence calling us back to the mercies of God from verse 1 and saying, God is generous in grace and generous in mercy to you as his people, so you ought to be generous towards those that are also his people. You ought to be mirroring exactly what God has done to you, and that ought to be showing through you. So he talks about generosity specifically to the saints, but second of all, he says, the mercy of God calls us to pursue hospitality. And I know that the text here, it says given to hospitality, but the word given, it kind, of, it kind of blew my mind a little bit to what that word actually was. So whenever I went and I was looking through and studying for this, 
The word that Paul uses here for given is a lot stronger than just the English word to give. The word that Paul uses specifically here, it's used about 43 other times in the New Testament. And over three quarters of the times that it's used, it's used as the word persecute. Uh, Some examples of that, Acts 9 and verse number 4, when Jesus said to Paul, Paul, why persecutest thou me? He used the same word here that Paul says given to hospitality. In Acts chapter 26 and verse number 11, Paul said, I persecuted them unto strange cities. Same word. 1 Corinthians 15, 9, Paul said, I persecuted the church of God. In Galatians 1, 23, Paul said, I persecuted the household of God. In Philippians 3, 12, Paul said, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church of God. Paul was, he was not a foreigner to the word that he used here. He wasn't, he wasn't backed off from what he was saying. What Paul was actually doing is he was doing the same thing that we see done in the Psalms. Even the Psalm that we read this morning, Brother Ricky walked through, and even, even if you looked at the headings, it speaks of judgment to the unbeliever and mercy to the believer. That's what the Psalms do again and again. Most of what David wrote and most of what the other psalmists wrote, they used biblical poetry to parallel the differences between the mercy of God and the judgment of God. Or the saint of God and those who are against God. Even in Psalm 1, we can, we can think, he said there, that if you are blessed, you are like a tree that's been set by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit. But he said the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff that's driven away by the wind. He parallels these two things, and that's exactly what Paul is doing in this text, and he does in many other texts. What Paul is basically saying to them is, is I want you, he, he, if, if you could stand back and see the heart of Paul, he's saying, I want you to remember how I treated you before I was converted. Because he told multiple, in multiple other occasions what he did. Paul was, he, he even said in Philippians, he said, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church of God. He, he was telling the Philippians why he boasted in himself before his conversion. He said, I was a Jew of Jew. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. He goes through all of these things that he held himself up in high esteem. But one of the things that he mentions is that he was zealous to persecute the house of God. He was saying, I sat there and I schemed in my mind on how I could persecute the church. And I didn't just think about it, but I went after it. I was going after the church of God. I was going, he was on his way to Damascus to bring them back. He wasn't being passive in this. He was persecuting them. He was after them. And that's the reason that we term this to pursue hospitality because that's what Paul is saying. He's saying in the same way that you remember me coming after you, I want you to do the same thing to those around you, but paralleled, I want you to do the opposite. The way that I was coming after you, I want you to go after the world, but where they're coming after you in persecution, I want you to go after them in hospitality. Where they're coming after you for the bad, I want you to go after them for the good. 
The word hospitality that Paul uses here, and we'll kind of close with this, but the word that Paul uses for hospitality, he takes two Greek words and he puts them together. One word that Paul uses is the word for stranger, and the other word that he uses is the Greek word that I actually do know how to pronounce, and that's philio. It's where we get the city name for Philadelphia. It means brotherly love. So what Paul says when he says hospitality, he says stranger or those who aren't like you or those who are against you. And he uses the word for brotherly love. He's saying, so what I want you to do is I want you to be running after showing strangers love like they're your brother. That's in essence what Paul's saying. And he says all this because of verse number one. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Look at the mercy of God. Look at the love of God. Look at the heart of God. And because of that, those who are constantly scheming to do you wrong, you need to be sitting back and constantly scheming to do them right. Those who are constantly scheming to take from you, you need to be constantly scheming on how you can give to them. And Paul is referencing us back to the mercy of God. Because that's what God did to us. Romans chapter number 5, it says that we were the enemies of God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were against God actively, Christ was actively pursuing us. Not just in a general sense, but even in our individual lives, we can see where in times past we were against God, but He was actively pursuing us to Himself. He was actively showing us love when we were actively showing him hate. So Paul's saying, I want you to be known, just as 1 John says, by your love one to another. People are going to know you because you're generous one to another. People are going to know you because you're loving to the family of God. But he said, I don't want you to stop there. I want you to be known for your love one to another and for your love to everyone else. I want you to mirror the way that God treats his own family with the way that you treat your spiritual family. But I want you to go farther than that. I want you to mirror the way that God treats his enemies and the way that you treat those who are your enemies. I want you to treat them in a way and with the love that is the same love that you would have for those that are your brother. And what Paul does in these verses... In all of these verses that we've read, he uses the present tense. Paul doesn't use a future tense or a past tense in grammar. He uses present tense. Even last week, rejoicing, patient, and continuing are all active and present tense verbs. They're they're verbs that are constantly going on. They don't end. And that's what Paul says here. He said, I want you to be distributing and giving. Distributing and giving, pursuing, running after. And I want you to be doing this all the time. So what Paul is prompting the Romans here, and by extension what Paul is prompting us at Gospel Way tonight on May the 23rd, not the 16th like it says on the bulletin. But what God is prompting us to do is to show who He is through ourselves. So when we're looking around at the world, we're looking around at those that are close to us, those that are near us, what our heart ought to be is scheming how we can do good. 
That ought to be, that ought to be, with, instead, instead of what the world may perceive as church people or Christian people getting together and gossiping about others, we ought to be gossiping and scheming in a sense. But if we are, it ought to be on how we can do good, not how, how others have done evil. How we can turn the evil that others have done upon us back to be good on them. And I won't give away or try to run into any of the rest of this text, but the rest of these verses down through the end of chapter number 12 makes so much more sense in light of what Paul is being, of what Paul's saying. We, we in, in our own ignorance, honestly, we have a habit of taking these verses out. And this is why we go through the text like we do. This is why we don't just jump from place to place to place to place and need and need and need and need. Because we miss what Paul's saying. We miss the heart of Paul and we miss the heart of God. Because he's adamant on why he's wanting us to do this. And it all takes us back again to verse number one. And we can't, we can't separate that. It's the mercies of God. It's the love of God that prompt all of this. What he has done for us ought to shine through us. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the chance and opportunity to be 